Welcome to the men's global live stream. I'm so happy to be with you. If this is your first time with us, we are in week four of a five week study and I'm so glad you're here. We've been talking about God's good design for being a man, what it means to be good trouble. Culture, the world, music, movies. As men, they, they tell us we're useless. They say we're the problem. They say we're trouble. Well, I'm telling you, that's exactly what you are, and it's time to be good trouble. God's man is good trouble. He's He's what they said Cool Hand Luke was. He's a natural born world shaker, man. I want you to I want you to shake up the world. I want you to live in such a way that that hell knows your name and heaven applauds your every move. We've been talking the last few weeks about what it means to be good trouble, to be a spirit initiated man and then how that pours in to the rest of our lives. So this week, I want to talk about being a dad. I want to talk about, about spirit-initiated men and how they lead their family. Specifically, I want to talk about you being the, the chief prophet in your home. You know, it's interesting when, when speaking of, of Christ, old theologians and, and um, biblical men would, would use a term called the Munis triplex, and and it's a theological term known as the triple cure. Right, the the Munis triplex refers to the threefold office held by King Jesus. He was he was prophet, priest, and king. Um, as dads, we reflect Jesus in this way, where where Jesus was an example or a reflection of God to us. We, um, as men, as husbands, as fathers, we are an example. We are an, a, re a reflection of King Jesus um, to our wives and to our children, to our homes. So we reflect this threefold office of prophet, priest, and, and, and lowercase um, king. Uh, as a husband, as a father, uh, my chief aim is to reflect Jesus to my family. Uh, you see this laid out in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, you see it in 1 Peter chapter 2, but, but a man is called to serve and lead his house in the same manner that Jesus serves and leads the church, right? We're called to image Jesus to those that we love, and, and a father best does this when he acts in the triple cure, right? As dad, I am the chief prophet, I'm the chief priest, and I'm the king of my home, and this, this is important. Um, you're probably the best picture of Jesus that your wife and children will ever see. So it's important that we get this right. So, so I want to talk about what it means to be the chief prophet, the prophet in your, in your home. To be the prophet in your home means that you are God's mouthpiece, right? In your home, you're the primary mouthpiece of God, just like the prophets of old, your job is to speak on behalf of God. Um, you bring God. You bring God's word to the people under your care. And, and fam, this is not easy, right? It's not for the faint of heart. 
being being a prophet isn't popular because rarely um, are you telling people what they want to hear. Uh, more times than not, you're telling them what they need to hear. Uh, you're trying to be the voice that is drowning out all the other noise, right? And make no mistake, there's a lot of noise. Um, everything in the life of your child is trying to act like a prophet. There, there are thousands of false prophets, tens of thousands of false prophets telling your children what, what they want to hear, right? Um, uh, the false prophetess uh, Disney, the, the country music prophet Kenny Chesney, right? Um, they're all pushing this, this pro-humanistic, anti-God messaging. Now, uh, with that said, um, don't think I'm some sort of, uh, you know, uh, sad Puritan, right? Um, we watch Disney movies in my house. Um, we listen to Kenny Chesney, right? Um, if I had a tractor, I think my wife would think I'm sexy. Um, I even met Kenny one time in a McDonald's bathroom. He is unbelievably short. He's like 5'3". So, so we watch Disney movies like we listen to Kenny Chesney. Uh, the difference is they're not the loudest voice in my house. I'm the loudest voice in my house. As, as fathers, we need to recognize that, that prophets come in all shapes and sizes and they're everywhere. We can't shield our family from them. But instead, we need to drown out those voices. We need to be um, the loudest voice in the house. As we reflect King Jesus, we're the loudest voice in the house. Uh, and we need to be like, the world is a noisy place. I'm sure you sense that. I'm sure you um, see that. And, and, and here's the main message that culture and the world that Disney and Kenny Chesney and everybody else is trying to push on your children. And, and it's the message that they can be God, that your children can be God, right? Uh, one of my favorite Christian novelists, um, Dostovsky, once declared that um, if God doesn't exist, then anything is permissible with man, right? Um, man, he really proved to be a, a modern-day prophet. Right, we live in this profoundly post-Christian culture, um, a culture where the Bible is not only inaccurate; it's impossible. Right, our children are being reared um, in a time that Nietzsche called uh, the wake of God's death. It's a time when when God is dead and and self reigns supreme. Um, daily, our children, our families are being told that self is. God. I mean, it's what most of our um, social media and, and music and, and movies are built around, right? So, so imagine, if you can, uh, growing up and sincerely believing that, that, that you're God, and, and, and that's where our children are today. Our children are being told that they possess God's privileges and God's prerogatives and God's power, Right? Um, they're growing up in a society where they can define themselves on every level, right? Like a Lego kit. They're only limited by their imagination. Um, they can be lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning, queer, intersex, pansexual, two-spirit, androgynous, asexual. Like you are what you say you are. Your truth is your truth. 
Live your truth is, is the modern youth's mantra. Um, I, I, I disciple a young man and, and he came to me one time and he said, Big Harp, that's what he calls me. He said, Big Harp, I'm thinking about getting a tattoo and, and you can't see it, but, but I have a whole sleeve of tattoos. So like, I'm not, um, I'm not opposed. I said, I said, cool, man. Like, what are you thinking about getting? He said, well, I'm going to get this, this phrase on my, on my leg that says, um, live your truth. And I said, bro, you're an idiot. <laughs> he said, well, why am I an idiot? I said, well, first of all, you're 18. You don't even know what you believe. And like whatever you're believing, it should probably change as you get older and grow wiser. And, and secondly, like the point is not to live your truth. The point is to live the truth of another. Like you want to live King Jesus's truth, not your truth, but his truth. So, so, so our kids are living in this in this time where live your truth is like the modern mantra. And, and it sounds eerily familiar with the truth claim that Jesus makes in John 14, 6. It sounds eerily familiar with the I am statements that God makes in Exodus 3, 14. The difference is God is correct in declaring I am. God can say that because he is. <laughs> God's self-defining declaration comes from his self-existence. That's a property that only belongs to God. Yet few today uh, believe this. Our, our culture teaches that God is not self-existent. Indeed, our, our culture says God is non-existent. And if there is no one true God, then, then everyone is a God. And, and ultimately, Self-definition becomes the mantra of the people. We see and we hear it everywhere. You can be whatever you want to be. Believe in yourself. Follow your heart. Trust your instincts. Live your best life. You, you see it. Sometimes you hear that, that crap coming from the church. And, and all these phrases, they're aimed at our children. These are phrases and words that inspire a self-definition that can only be born of self-existence. So our children are growing up in a world that tells them they are self-existing, that they are God, and it is a lie straight from hell. You see, Satan wields the sword of self-definition because he always knows it leads to self-destruction. Just asked Adam and Eve. Self-definition destroyed the first civilization and it has been destroying societies ever since. God literally told Adam and Eve, you can be as Elohim. When he said you will be like God knowing good and evil, the, the Hebrew there is you can be as God. You can be God. And, and when we believe that, the result is destruction, right? Think about, think about all the modern day prophets and, and the position that our world is in, right? Psychologists have, have redrawn the boundaries of the family. The high courts have, have redefined marriage. Men and women have now switched roles. Life has lost its sanctity. Self-actualization is the new sanctification. The uh, uh, the church is not immune to this. Today, churches look like amusement parks and sermons 
sound like self-help seminars. And, and the result is we're all becoming like little gods and, and the weight is unbearable. It's not by chance that youth anxiety and youth suicide are at an all-time high. Who can, who can live under the pressure of being God absent the privilege and power of actually being God? Placing the burden of Godhead on a child is equivalent to dropping a house on them. Guys, it's, a, it's an unbearable weight. And, and men, dads, as prophet of your home, you have to offload this weight. You must speak words of truth to your children that counteracts the devil's lies. When the, when the world says you can be whatever you want to be, you need to say false you can be who God has created you to be. And He has created them, men and women, distinct, different, equal of love and honor and dignity and respect, but completely different roles. So when the world says you can be whatever you want to be, you say, no, you can be who God has created you to be. Genesis 1, 27, Genesis 5, 2, Mark 10, 6. When the world says, believe in yourself, you need to say, no thanks. I'm going to believe in God's word. Like, who can trust the heart, which is wicked and deceitful above all things? No thanks. You can have that. I want to believe in God's word. Recently, my, my little girl lost her lunchbox at school, so my wife uh, sent me and her to the mall to get a new one. So we go to this little, you know, preteen store in the mall and, and my daughter brings me this lunchbox and, you know, it's purple and sequined and it has a unicorn on it and, and whatever. I'm down with unicorns. That's cool. Um, but the bottom of the lunchbox says, believe in yourself. And I said, babe, like you got to put that lunchbox back. She was like, why? I said, well, well, what does it say? She says, it says, believe in yourself. I said, yeah, but who do we believe in? She goes, we believe in King Jesus. And she just walks and she puts the lunchbox back. Two women in the store turn and, base, and, and they scorn at me like, like, like they basically scold me for being a horrible dad. And I'm, I'm like, listen, like we don't believe in ourselves. No thanks. Like we believe in, in God's word. The world is telling your children to follow your heart that's a horrible idea. Don't trust your instincts. Don't follow your heart. Follow King Jesus. Follow His path. Follow His words. The word says, uh, or, or excuse me, the world says, trust your instincts. No, no, that's wrong. Trust God and trust His word. You know, people say, live your best life now. There's even a popular Christian artist that that says live your best life, that's, that's ridiculous. Like the best life is yet to come. 1 Corinthians 2.9, like the best life is yet to come. If this right here is my best life, man, you can have this garbage. Like I'm waiting for the not yet. I'm waiting for the new heavens and the new earths, man, I cannot wait. Like I'm living and I'm working now and I'm, I'm helping usher in the kingdom of heaven, but I can't wait for the fullness of the kingdom. I can't wait to look at Jesus face to face and see him, not as I'm looking through a glass, but seeing him for who he really is and him seeing me for who I really am. I cannot wait. The aim of your life is not to live your truth. The aim of your life is to live the truth of another, 
to live the truth of King Jesus. King Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, John 14, 6. Brothers, your children, they don't need another truth. They already have one. Take the burden of Godhood off your child and help them see that there is only one I am and, and they're not it. As a good prophet, as the chief prophet in your home, the most important thing you can do for your family is share God's word. Now, what does this mean? Well, um, it, it doesn't mean you have to have a seminary degree. It doesn't mean you have to be a biblical scholar. Um, but, but you do have to know the word of God. You can't impart what you don't know, right? You, you need to be what R.C. Sproul called a good theologian. Theology, theosology, God knowledge, right? I hear Christians all the time say, well, I'm not a theologian. Well, that's ridiculous. You are a theologian. Uh, theology is the pursuit of the knowledge of God. It's not that you're not a theologian. The question is, are you a good one or a bad one? And most Christians I meet, they're bad theologians. I'm telling you, brothers, be a good theologian. You, you need to be well-versed in God's Word. Now, you only have to be one step ahead, but, but you need to be one step ahead so that you can then put that Word in and pass that Word on down to your, to your home, to those in your, your home. Um, I'm reminded of, of, of what I said last week, right? Um, a, a Bible falling apart belongs to a man who's, who's not. Like you need to know um, um, God's Word. Um, one of the ways we do this in my house that, that has become helpful is, is we practice um, catechism, catechesis, right? Questions and answers. Um, we have some, some Bible verses and some good doctrinal truths that, that come right from God's Word that, that my children from a young age um, memorize, right? And, and, and I love it. Um, I, I once heard it said that, that catechesis is important, right? So, so God is the one that gives growth. So God is the one that grows the vine. But the trellis helps the vine grow in the right direction. So it's God's word that's gonna that's gonna grow your children. But but the catechesis, the questions and the stories will help it grow in the right direction. It'll help them grow in the right direction. Like if if you were to ask my daughter right now, Scarlett, what's your only hope in life and death? She would say straight from Romans, like I'm I'm not my own, uh, but I belong to God. Like I was purchased. Like King Jesus with his life, with his blood, he purchased me. And I'm no longer um, a slave to sin. I'm now a slave to righteousness. I have a new master, right? What's your hope in life and death? Man, I'm, I'm not my own. Like I belong to another. Catechesis is good. You know, the new city catechism. That's, that's great. The, the, the book of common prayer. I mean, the old school Puritans and Presbyterians, man, the Catholics, they had this right. So, so develop that in your home. Write your own family creed. We have the Harper family creed in my house. Like if you walk into my living room, it's literally written on the walls. Like there are questions and answers that we have, the, we have up on the walls that, that our two-year-old, our four-year-old, they are, they are memorizing, right? And that's another thing, man. Your kids should be memorizing scripture. And you're like, well, they, you know, they're young. Like they can't memorize anything. 
I promise you, my three-year-old, like when my daughter was three, she was singing the words to Disney's Frozen, Let It Go, Let It Go. I mean, you, I mean, come on, you know Queen Elsa, bro, she's crushing it. If your kids can memorize Disney songs, guess what? They can memorize scripture. Don't be lazy. Man, put scripture in front of them for them to memorize. One of the things I do, I'm on the road a lot. I travel. So before I leave, um, every morning before I leave my house, basically, I try to write scripture on my kid's mirror. So when they're up in the morning and they're brushing their teeth, man, they're seeing it and it's in front of them. And when I get home, I'll ask, hey, what was that scripture on the mirror? That tells me two things, right? It tells me whether or not they brushed their teeth, which is important. <laughs> and it tells me if they were paying attention. So... And teach them to teach them to memorize and guide them in memorizing scripture. Um, so beyond catechesis and beyond scripture memorization, like there are other good tools like storybook Bibles, um, family devotionals, uh, anything Dr. Joel Beakey or or Dr. Donald Whitney writes about family worship is gold, man. Little little 20, 30 page books, grab those and 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 read those. Like you should be doing family worship. Like you should be singing songs. Um, we love the hymns, right? I, I envision a day when I'm on my deathbed and my children are around my bed and, and they're singing, it is well. They're singing, come thou fount. Like I cannot wait for that day. They're singing um, on, the, on the solid rock I stand. Like, like we sing together as a family. And oh, by the way, dad, um, one of the biggest indicators that, that your children are going to stay in the church as they get older is they see you singing. They see you worshiping. So, so man, if you're at church with hands in your pocket, kind of just humming along, man, stop that nonsense. You need to be singing at the top of your lungs. I don't care if you like the song or not. I know a lot of these songs are feminized, right? Nobody wants to sing about drowning in an ocean of God's love. I, I get it, man. I, I don't like that stuff either. Like I'm all, I'm all about like taking a hill, give me a captain to follow, onward Christian soldier, right? A mighty fortress. I, I get it, man. But whatever it is, your kids need to see you singing. And that, that communicates and expresses your love for Jesus and that spurs them on. So, man, man sing in your home. Um, um, do devotionals with your family at night before they go to bed. I've got four kids under the age of 11. It's wheels off, right? There are kids wrestling and hitting each other with plastic swords, and it's nuts. It looks like chaos sometimes, but even through the chaos, I'm doing it, right? Consistency is key. Just be consistent about it. Do it when you don't feel like doing it. It only takes five minutes. It doesn't have to be some big production. It can just be five minutes reading a passage and asking your children, man, what do you think God is saying? What is God saying about himself? What's he saying about you? What's the promise? What's the principle? It can be that simple, but consistency is key. Lead your family in singing and, and reading. And, and maybe you just start by praying the word. Maybe, maybe you're watching this. You're watching this as a man and you say, Chris, you know, I don't even know where to start. Start by praying the word over your kids. Start by praying the word. You know, I taught a lesson some time ago just about um, blessing our kids and, and, and speaking the word of God over our children. And, and a man had heard that lesson and he became convicted. He had been a follower for many years. He had been a believer for many years, but he, but he never prayed or spoke the words over his children. So uh, one day his wife's in the car, his children are in the back seat, and 
they're driving somewhere and he leans over and he turns off the radio and he tells his kids, he says, hey, uh, put down your iPads, put down the Nintendo Switch. I just want to share something with you. And for three or four minutes, he just started speaking the word of God over his family started just blessing his kids and 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 what what scripture he knew he just started speaking that scripture over his family well after three or four minutes of that his his wife kind of said oh and, and and reached over and turned the radio back on and then he looked and the ipads and the nintendos went back up and he was thinking to himself man why that was useless why did i do that until two weeks later he was picking his oldest son up from basketball practice and and his oldest son got into the cab of the truck, and as they pulled out of the gym, his son reached over and turned off the radio and said, said, Dad, could you, could you speak some more of those words to me? Can you tell me some more of those words? Oh, those words are powerful. Those words are good. Those are the words that your children need to hear. Not these other false prophets, but you as the chief prophet speaking the word of God over your family. If we had a generation of men that just spoke and prayed the word of God over their homes, I'm telling you this world would change if we just did that. Brothers, know the word. Read the word. Help your children memorize the word. Speak and pray the word over your house. Be the chief prophet you are the mouthpiece of god man do that and i promise you things will change you'll see a change man if you want to learn more about what we do at better man i want you to check us out at betterman.com we have tons of resources just like this curriculum study guides the better man podcast phenomenal our social media the better man movement to learn more about what we're doing in and, and through God and for God, for men, his timeless definition of manhood and masculinity. Check us out at betterman.com. And I can't wait to be with you next week to talk about the spirit-initiated man and, and what that means for your marriage. Until then, be blessed. See you soon.